The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Gary Parrish, welcome back to CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you watch it on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consented. Don't forget, while you're here, to also subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Let's get into it. If you listen, I hope you did. If you listen to Sunday's episode of the Ion College Basketball Pocket, right toward the end, my butt dead leg there, he said, uh, what do you think we're going to be talking about on Wednesday morning's episode? And I said, uh, you know, Houston's on the road against an unranked but quality opponent. Purdue's on the road against an unranked but quality opponent. In fairness, I also said Duke's on the road against an unranked but quality opponent. Yes. I think we're going to be talking about one of those three teams losing. Two of them lost. Duke wasn't one of them. Purdue was in Pinnacle Bank. You know what happened there. Houston was at Hilton Coliseum. That's called Hilton Magic. Neither one. Both lost. Final score, Nebraska 88, Purdue 72, Iowa State 57, Houston 53. Dead leg. Number one went down. Number two went down. Makes sense of what we watched last night. That one's on me. I was wrong. They they didn't didn't walk right in. Purdue did not walk right into Pinnacle Bank. Cole, I've been trying to tell you for it, years. It, it, it's like sometimes I think you don't even listen. I was all, I was wrong on that one. Boy, was I ever wrong. Sometimes oh, I don't even think you listen. Well, you know, what do you want from me here? You know, I've been for years telling you don't just walk in Pinnacle Bank. Did it take? Well, did it's it starting take, to change. It's starting it, to change. You ready for this doozy here? Hmm. This is Nebraska's notes. I'm going to take Nebraska at its word here. This is a wild stat. Nebraska is now 19 and six in this last 25 games dating back to February 1st, 2022. That's the best winning percentage by a big 10 team in that stretch. It's one percentage point better than Purdue, which is 22 and seven percentage wise, seven, five, nine win percentage, Nebraska's seven, six, zero. So Nebraska since February one of 2022 is 19 and six crazy GP. Fred Hoiberg has it going, man. And on and on Tuesday night, it was the fourth win ever for Nebraska over number one team. The first time since it did it since 1982. Um, and now sitting at 13 and three, it's the best 16 game start for Nebraska since 1990-91 when they uh, started 15 and one. It also had 13 and three starts previously in 2010-11, 94 and 95 as well. So. Um, the losing teams are, I guess, the bigger story. But to me, the bigger takeaway, frankly, is is Nebraska getting itself into position to be a relevant Big Ten team and potentially an NCAA tournament team. I mean, Kese Tominaga was outstanding last night, and he hit what five three pointers. He's averaging more than twenty one points a game over his last three games and is really coming on. And he's no, I said this on HQ on Tuesday night. If you follow big 10 hoops or you're a diehard, like he's not someone out of nowhere. He was expected to be potentially a top five kind of player, certainly a top 10 player in the big 10 this season. And he's showing up big in a big way there. Um, Nebraska was just on fire. I guess, you know, I'm kind of venturing to that. So we'll get to Houston being the last undefeated to fall in just a second here. But to me, um, the Cornhuskers dropping 14 threes on Purdue's head 
and shooting a season best 51% and, you know, hitting up Purdue for 88 points and just being ready for the moment, man. Like CJ Wilcher was terrific off the bench. Thought it was a really important win for Nebraska. Uh, maybe an important win for drama in the Big Ten. I'm still not going to step away from Purdue. My, my thought that Purdue is on a tier to itself in the Big Ten with Purdue having lost on the road to Northwestern and Nebraska, who, by the way, may turn out to be tournament teams. Um, there will certainly probably be some people that are going to push back against that. But on balance, Purdue has still displayed itself to be one of the three best teams in the country this season. And um, I think one of the bigger challenges sometimes for some who have to write about and talk about the sport is when you have a morning after or a night of a result like this to kind of remove yourself from that and take a a wider look at the big picture. Um, Purdue has now lost five times in the past 300 and. 75 days as the number one team, which is weirdly impressive. It keeps getting to number one and yes, losing once it's number one, but it keeps getting back to that perch. And so this was the fifth time in basically less than 13 months. Purdue has lost as number one team in college basketball. Uh, I still think it'll be fine. Uh, big time win, major result for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Yeah, I still think Purdue wins the Big Ten by multiple games. Um, but I, I mean, all jokes aside, all pinnacle bank jokes aside, I, I just think that I don't care where you're ranked in this particular season, when you go on the road against an NCAA tournament caliber team and the place is going to be packed and rocking the way that place was going to be, you're susceptible to getting beat. I, 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 you know, you go back and listen, I didn't predict that that Purdue would lose. I just predicted that, um, you know, there, there's a series of games against, you know, big brands and, and highly ranked teams against unranked teams. And, and any of the three are capable of getting got, obviously Duke had no problems at Pitt, we can touch on that a little bit later if you want. But um, Houston was in a fight from the jump, down fourteen nothing, and same thing with Purdue. Now we're in year five of of the Fred Hoiberg era. I said this last night on CBS Sports Network. I always assumed Fred at Nebraska would work, just because um, I think he's really, really good. And you know, we, year one it was fourteenth in the Big Ten. Year two, fourteenth in the Big Ten. Year three, thirteenth in the Big Ten. Year four, 11th in the Big Ten. And I remember us talking about it. I wondered if, you know, the, the recipe that Fred used at Iowa State, he was about, you know, five, 10 years ahead of his time. Maybe, maybe more than that, in the sense that he was the one going out and getting transfers and sitting them out and then using them to build a, 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 a you know, great teams at Iowa State. I remember talking to him one time and he had a really good grasp on uh, of the situation. He was like, my fans expect me to compete with Kansas and Texas and the other top-tier teams in the Big 12, but I can't recruit high school pro- prospects the way that they can. Like, I'm not going to be able to go heads up and get five-star guys, for the most part, against the Kansas, Texas, and, and those, those caliber of programs. So where can I get similar talent? And that was through the transfer portal. Um, yeah, you'd often have to have them sit out a year, but – that, that's how he got that thing rock and rolling. My point is this. Then he goes to the Bulls. Um, by the time he gets back to college basketball, everybody's taking transfers. And so his um, advantage that he had um, identified and, and really uh, you know, flourished in that space, it was a space that a lot of other people were trying to flourish in as well. So that advantage was not non-existent, but not nearly as, um, as exaggerated as it, it once was. And you start to wonder, is this going to be one of those deals where – Man, it, it made sense on paper, but I, I guess it just never never got going. Chris Mack at Louisville is one of those. Ben Howland at Mississippi State is one of those. And and perhaps this can be the the breakout year because I, I don't think last night was just, oh, that was this that night that Nebraska beat Purdue, but it didn't amount to anything. Like that looks like an NCAA tournament team to me. At this point, I, I I'm expecting them to be in it. We'll see. Um, I wouldn't say expecting the 13 and three last night was Nebraska's first win over a surefire NCAA tournament team. It does have a win over Michigan State, but Michigan State right now is nine and six. And you cannot call Michigan State a surefire NCAA tournament team, not when it's got to turn around tomorrow night and play at Illinois and could be standing at nine and seven. It also has a win over Kansas State, which is a quality team. It's 12 and three. But Kansas State to this point, it's I would lean toward it getting there. But again, I'm using the term surefire. Now, Nebraska's got to turn around and play a road game against Iowa and then a road game against Rutgers. So, you know, don't go from 13 and three and 13 to five, although that would be reasonable if it happened. A couple of road games, if you can split that and then get some work done at home, it's going to have a chance. Obviously, a very significant win. It will be interesting to see if we look up down the road 
and the likes of Northwestern, which is also a three-loss team in the Big Ten in, in Nebraska, are boosted by by Purdue and having beaten them uh, beaten them at home. Um, looking at the other one, and you know, a couple of really good home venues uh, in a part of the country that was, I think, inundated by snow. Certainly, Ames was, uh, and and to a, to an extent, Lincoln was as well. Um, it appeared that the Ames crowd was actually held back a little bit because of, because of the weather there. Um, but Houston going in and playing just it was gp this was to me 57 53 you can look at the score and be like eh. if you watch the game it was oddly riveting because the, these are two teams that just are not afraid to chin up and fight you and iowa state had to hold after it got out to a 14 nothing lead houston didn't score until i think 4 minutes and 55 seconds into the first half uh, which I thought was the difference in the game. If it had been, you know, a, a nine to five Iowa State advantage in the first four minutes, I think Houston probably would have won because Houston was kept pushing back and pushing back. And it took the lead a couple of times late, but it could not overcome down the stretch. Uh, it, it's the, now the last team to lose. So there are no more unbeatens left in men's college basketball. Um, I'll have a little bit something on the history of that in today's court report. Uh, I thought it was a significant win for Iowa State, not just because Houston was undefeated. I, Iowa State had not also de- defeated a surefire and subway tournament team until Tuesday night. Its best win other than this was a home one against an Iowa team that I think uh, needs to be hopeful that it can make the NIT this year. But other than that, Iowa State's most notable wins uh, was against VCU on a neutral floor. At DePaul was its only road win, so it gets a it gets a key victory, and and you know is now building toward an NCAA tournament type resume after having lost against Virginia Tech, Texas A and M, and then its most recent game was a road defeat, uh, a respectable defeat, but a road defeat all the same GP against Oklahoma, um, Houston. By the way, Houston, we're getting these other games, but Houston, BYU. And Cincinnati, all newcomers to the Big 12, they all got a, a taste of some new medicine. They all fell in Big 12 play on Tuesday night. What was your primary takeaway from uh, from the Cyclones being able to hold off the Cougars? Well, I don't know if you saw Kelvin Sampson's post game, but he said um, <laughs> something along the lines of, "We just we just pissed ourselves." <laughs> we peed down. We peed down our leg. That's correct. Yeah. yeah let's so, see that. Yes. Um, it looked like they just weren't ready to play. I mean, evidence being that they were down fourteen to nothing. And I, listen, I don't. I'm not concerned with Houston at all. Like, if you told me right now, a GP, bet a significant amount of money, Houston's going to be a top three seed yes. in the NCAA tournament. I'm like, yeah, yes, I'll take that. I, I do believe mm-hmm. that. They're fine. Um, but one thing you have to realize, and it's not Kelvin, because it was this big thing about, you know, Houston's never been in the Big 12. Well, Kelvin has. He knows what this is. So it's not Kelvin as much as it's 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 the player. In the AAC, you don't walk into that ever. Even at Memphis, that ain't quite that. And at Memphis, when it's good, is is really good. But you know, a more intimate setting, smaller building, just like Hilton is a is a place that we've been talking about for years. And if you're not ready to walk into that consistently, then you're you're going to have problems on the road because it's not like you got to get up for that once a year now. You got to get up there for that uh, at least once a week and maybe twice. Um, like Houston now has to go straight from that to TCU. What do you think that's going to look like this weekend? Similar. Yeah. And so you've got to, you know, you've got to be ready for that every single night. You, you're not good enough anymore, even though they're great. You're now in a league where you can't just, <laughs> I'm not trying to be goofy, but like you can't just walk into places and, and get it out of there with wins. You got to show up. No one's walking into anything. I Nobody's walking into anything anymore, unless maybe it's West Virginia. Yeah, well, they might be walking into it. You West. might be able to walk into West Virginia, but but you ain't walking out into really anything else in that league. Maybe a UCF, but we'll see. So oh. I think I think that was probably I know Kelvin didn't want to lose that game and didn't want to lose it the way they lost it by missing every shot. LJ Cryer was not good the entire game mm-hmm. like not even close on his potential game winning three-pointer I mean it was just a it was a yeah. bad performance all the way around and so I know Kelvin didn't want that but I bet you he can sure use it as a teaching lesson and I, I suspect that he will and and when we look up this weekend um, you know I, I don't know if Houston will win at TCU but I bet they'll play I bet they'll look different I bet they won't be down 14 nothing on Iowa State 
you you put some numbers on it. They hadn't, you know, you said they hadn't beaten a surefire NCAA tournament team before last night. That's true. They were they had an interesting resume in the sense that you know most people at this point in the season, two months in, like they've got some good stuff and they got some bad stuff. That's most people's resumes. Iowa State was like, you have no good stuff. They were zero and three against the top sixty-five of the net, and eleven and zero against everybody else. So they had no really bad stuff. They had a good net too. I don't know what it was, GP, but I feel like they were like. 10th or 11th going into last night. Actually, I looked that up. Keep going. Yeah, they were. They were. They they had very strong computer numbers because they were just beating people's brains in. But like it broke down pretty cleanly. 0-3 against the top 65 of the net. 11-0 against everybody else. So they were one of those teams that, well, they hadn't really done anything bad, but they hadn't really done anything great either. Let's let's see where they are. And then they add like one of the greatest things you could add last night. I moved them into the top 25 and one because now they have a solid resume, a big signature win and the computer numbers uh, to, to support it. Um, but, but before last night, um, you know, they, they were still in search of, of something that said, no, this team really can do something more than just beat bad teams. They can beat, um, you know, they can, they can play with the best and beat the best in the big 12 and and that's what they did last night. I just thought it was, um, you know, you got the former Iowa State coach and the current Iowa State coach both having pretty wonderful nights uh, last night. And I don't think those are one-offs. I think both those guys have good basketball teams this season. Yeah, Iowa State was 12th in the net heading into Tuesday night's game. It's now 11th here on Wednesday morning. It had done that because it mutilated a number of quad three and quad four opponents, but it's got to build up the resume. The Big 12 is going to provide plenty of options. And I do expect Iowa State to get to the tournament. Uh, seating wise, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But Altsberger has a formula there and it's leading to reliable regular season success. And uh, and a little bit of tournament success as well, but there's going to be ups and downs. Like not every not every Iowa State game is going to be uh, a Rembrandt or even close to it. But the process does work here, and and against Houston, it worked well. They came out, they were ready to play. With that being said, now so we had number one Purdue go down, undefeated number two Houston lose. We we speak here on a Wednesday morning in advance of Kansas playing at UCF. We'll see if they can walk in. Get, trivia time. Mm. Can you name UCF's home arena? There's no chance. No chance. Oh, I'm, I'm going to give you the acronym and you'll get one of the letters in the acronym and you still won't get it. Okay. The, the acronym is AFA. Yeah. Uh, UCF, they play at the uh, Air Force Academy. <laughs> okay. Don't they? UCF. You can get one of the words. The Big. second A is arena. Addition Financial Arena. Yeah. Addition yeah. Financial Arena. I mean, that's, that's what, is that's there what... a worse name? An endorsement than Addition Financial running the entire sport. My goodness. Yeah, that's uh, uh, no offense to Addition Financial. I'm sure you, you're doing some great business there, but uh, we need to get Mick Cronin in touch with Addition Financial, see if they can't get these NIL. Now we're, now we're talking situations right. fixed that, out that, of UCLA. Exactly. That point poverty program. Point is Kansas is number three in the AP top 25 right now. We'll see if it can walk into Addition Financial Arena on yeah. Wednesday night. Um, cause I was, I was asked on HQ Tuesday night. All right. Well, you know, season ends right now. Who's your number one? I said that, well, it has to be Kansas. Although weirdly enough, this was a mailback question in today's court report. I was asked, uh, to explain why Kansas is, is, you know, so low in the metrics. So if you want to say Kansas should be number one, there's something to that. However, how about this right now, GP with Kansas as of Wednesday morning, it's 13th at Evan Maya 15th in the net. 16th at Ken Palm, 17th in BPI, and 18th at Torvik. This is a 13-1 Kansas team that whose lone loss is a respectable one against Marquette and Maui and is a school that obviously year over year over year is reliable. So even though as we're just about done filtering out preseason priors here, you would think that it would have uh, establishment here to, to clearly be in the top 10 of the metrics. That is not the case. So... Um, from a resume perspective, maybe you think Kansas should still be number one before it plays this game at UCF. But predictive metrics are not in on Kansas being, you know, a surefire Final Four contender. We're halfway through the season here, and there are multiple mainstream predictive proven metrics that have them outside the top 15. I find that to be pretty intriguing. Part of this is because Eastern Illinois is terrible. Kansas won that game close. Indiana's not that good. Kansas didn't blow them out. 
Um, but it is a, a little bit of an oddity to see such a proven commodity in Kansas not be higher up in the metrics. It'll get there if it continues to win the Big 12, obviously. But at this point, it's definitely lower than I would have thought. They have played closer Kansas than they should have had games with three sub-100 net teams. Missouri, Eastern Illinois. Yes, now Indiana is outside of the top 100 of the net. Mm-hmm. Um so that is why their computer that's among the reasons at least their computer numbers aren't terrific but as i wrote in wednesday morning's top 25 and one i'm more interested in results than i am efficiency numbers and the results are still um i i think make it easy to move kansas to number one in the top 25 and one which is what i did on wednesday morning um they are make sure i've got the numbers here 13 and one overall they've got three quadrant one wins but like all quadrant one wins are not created equal (laughs) their quadrant one wins are a neutral court win over tennessee a neutral court win over kentucky and a win at home over yukon so they have wins right now (laughs) over the teams ranked fourth fifth and eighth in the top 25 and one those three teams are also all in the top six of of the AP poll, the lone loss, like you mentioned, to a Marquette team that's in the top 15. So I'm going to set you up for a trivia time. All right, hit me. How many other teams in the country have three wins um, over teams ranked in the, let's call it, say, top eight of the top 25 and one and zero losses to teams ranked outside of the top 15? Say it again. How many teams other than Kansas have three wins over top eight, top 25 and one teams and zero losses to teams outside of the top 15? Uh, the answer's got to be zero. Zero. It oh. rhymes with hero. That was a little scratchy there. That's all I can do. It's early <laughs> in the morning, baby. I went to bed around 4.45. Um, so, like, okay, the efficiency numbers aren't great, but they've got three massive wins and no bad losses. I moved them to number one in the top 25 and one. You ready for this? Purdue is number two and Houston is number three. I'm not dropping them that far. And I know that some fans who, um, I'll just say some fans, I know some fans will have an issue with that because they think when every time you lose, you should drop a million spots. And every time somebody wins, they should move up a million spots. But if you look at Houston's resume, Purdue's resume, they're still better than anybody in the country, I think, not named Kansas. And arguably still better than Kansas, but I'm smart enough to know you can't just let Purdue lose at Pinnacle Bank and leave them at number one. Like, our fans just ain't going to go for that. So you start looking at resumes. I can justify Kansas over Purdue. I can justify Kansas over Houston. I can't really justify anybody else over either one of those teams. Um, can I hit you with just uh Hit me. Let me, give you, let me give you one more. Hit me. Trivia time. Okay, here we go. Right now, Iowa State is um, – I mean, not Iowa State. Right now, Purdue yeah. is 6-2 and two in Quadrant 1. And Houston is four and one in quadrant one. Okay. Trivia time. Mm-hmm. How many other teams are at least three games above 500 in quadrant one with zero losses outside of quadrant one? How many, all right. Say it one more time. Buddy, I'm pulling these numbers. I mean, all right. So you want to know how many teams have not lost a game outside of quad one and have won at least three more than they've lost in quad one? Is that that's right? That's right. You got it, dead leg. Can you give me the number of teams? Unless it's zero, in which case, what are we doing here? In which case, what are we doing here? Is it zero? It's zero. It's zero? It's only Purdue and Houston. They are the only teams in the country that are at least three games above 500 in quadrant one with zero losses outside of quadrant one. Even Kansas is only three and one in quadrant one, uh, only two games above 500. Okay. Do at Houston still have incredible resumes. They just had not so great Tuesday nights. Okay. Uh, that's, that's good to know. All right. So the poll chat today was uh, the poll question. In the chat today was which team do you trust most to make the final four? And the options were Kansas, Purdue, Houston, and other I have the results here. Which which of those four? Kansas, Houston, Purdue, other. Which one do you think is leading the poll right now, GP? Okay, trust well, most to make the first, final. Four. That, 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 that word trust is a trigger word because like nobody trusts Purdue. Like we got a whole chat every three times a week talking about they don't trust Purdue. Fair enough. Fair enough. So there ain't no way nobody's trusting Purdue. Okay. So we're picking between 
Kansas and Houston. And other. Other is an option. And people that picked other were dropping their teams in the chat. Yeah, you other. Have, you basically have the field. Kansas, Houston, Purdue are the field. Which, what do you think is leading trust? Well, I trust the field. Team? I'll trust the field because I guarantee the field is going to have a team in the final four. Right. The field, but it's not entirely the field. It's like you got to name your one other team. So it's it's kind oh, of. Oh, no, uh, no, no. I just want the whole field. And no, you can take Kansas, Houston, and Purdue, and I'll take the field, and I'm guaranteed it's to get not, that fourth spot in the final four. It's not the field. So no, it's, it's trust. People trust. Here's the thing. You ready for this? People yeah. trust Bill Self. They just do. Correct. Kansas so is leading I would, the poll. I would assume Kansas is leading that. 39% of the vote for Kansas, 27% for Purdue, Houston just at 12%. Other is in third uh, is in third place with 21%. I saw some uh, I saw some Yukon in there. Um actually saw I saw a lot of Yukon in there. Um I think I trust uh, whatever, man. I feel like I I trust Purdue the most of any team. Uh but I'm an idiot. What do you want from me? I mean, they've they've looked good for most of the season. The resume is strong. They got picked off, and, and I credit Nebraska. They shot out of their minds. I think I saw Kevin Sweeney from uh, Sports Illustrated tweet this on Tuesday night. On Tuesday, it was the first time since that epic Elite Eight game against Virginia where Purdue made at least 10 three-pointers in a game and lost. So think about how incredible that game was. Purdue nearly won. It was really one of the best tournament games ever. And then it went in to Pinnacle Bank. Uh, it didn't walk in. But it got in. It shot well from the floor, but Nebraska was hot as, hot as could be. And, and there we have it. So I would pick Purdue narrowly, but Kansas is the leader in our poll. Yeah, I would take Kansas. Like, how about this? I said in the preseason, Kansas should be number one. It was. I now have Kansas back at number one. And in Wednesday's dribble handoff, if I ever get to it, I'm taking Kansas. Um, I think the question is what, what, you know, relative to odds, what team would you like to take to win the national championship? And I believe as of yesterday, Kansas was like plus 1700 because again, the computer numbers aren't, aren't great with Kansas. I was like, I'll just take them. You, I get, I get Bill Self and Dewan Harris and Hunter Dickinson and Kevin McCullough. All right, let's go see what we can and do. Nobody else. And nobody else. <laughs> like that's the it really is wild. Kansas is maybe the best four player team in the history of college basketball. <laughs> they have four players. Yeah, that's why they're that's they're, why they're, they're like they're they're built like the Phoenix Suns almost. Yeah. <laughs> they just have like they like you gotta put five on the court, thirteen on a roster, and or at least something around there, and they got four. They got four. It's like they've got if they've got three max players and then they can't yeah. they got to go get a bunch of <laughs> they yeah. might actually have three max players that I might mean, be true I think that is exactly the case though <laughs> that's probably true they 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 have three max players at Kansas and now they they've got salary cap issues so they just had to fill out the roster with whatever they could and like the key there I remember we talked about them forever in the preseason and listen we're nitpicking here because they're thirteen and one and ranked number one in the top twenty five and one. So uh, I saw the other day, like, uh, I just saw the tweet, but like our friends over at the field of 68, like the tweet, the tease was like, uh, is it time to be worried about Kansas? And like, well, say that every single day, <laughs> how worried are we about this team? What's our level of concern? Let me tell you what, let me tell you why I ain't worried about any of them. Exactly. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I'm not worried. Yeah, none of them, none of them have any impact on my life. Exactly. I'm worried about my kids spelling test on Friday. I ain't worried about no college basketball. I'm way past the days of worried about a college basketball team. Like, whatever happens, I'll be fine. Um, but, like, they, 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 we talked about them all preseason, and it was like, buddy, okay, Dewan Harris, that's one of the best run your team point guards in the country. He's won a national championship. You're good to go there. Kevin McCullough, uh, national defensive player of the year, semifinalist, couple years in the row. Um, Big 12 defensive player, what all that stuff, legitimate NBA prospect, that's perfect. KJ Adams, oh, he's breaking through. That's And then Hunter Dickinson in the middle, what are we even talking about? And at the two, oh, man, they got options. You want to go with the five-star freshman? Go with the five-star freshman. Or you want shooting? Well, then they got the transfer from Towson, Nick Timberlake. And the problem is, Marco Jackson, Nick Timberlake, neither one of them have been anything close to what we thought they would be. And so that's how you turn a team that looks like it might have the best starting lineup in the country in the preseason to a team that now looks like it has four players. <laughs> best four player team in the country. That's that you'll get no argument from me on that front. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they ever make basketball four player game, you don't want to deal it's with over. it. It's over. 
The only reason anybody else has a chance this season is because you got to put a fifth guy on the court. All right. Can we get to how concerned we are about Cincinnati or what? (laughs) How concerned are you with Cincinnati? I'm not. I'm not concerned at all. What if I went on the field of 68 and just every time they asked me a question, I was just like, I'm not really concerned. I don't care that much. Doesn't bother me. (laughs) We'll bounce around some other notable results from Tuesday night next. But first, give me a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Happened at Pinnacle Bank and Hilton Coliseum. They ain't the only big things or notable things that happened on Tuesday night. Deadleg, can you run us through some other stuff that happened? You see Max Acemas? Hit a game winner? Uh, well, how worried are we about Cincinnati? Can we get into that for real right now? Yeah, I, so I am actually worried about Cincinnati. Actually, you know what? I think I've got real concern about Pitt. We'll get to that in just a second. Max A. Smith hit a winner uh, to get Texas. A little bit of a rabbit out of the hat there. And that was uh, an impressive win for a Texas team. It's a little bit of a theme, something of a trope here on Tuesday night. You had teams that had not yet landed significant resume wins to this point in the season. Finally get them. We talked about two in, in the A block here. And now we get to the Texas Longhorn. Two going in, going into Tuesday night, they claimed mammoth victories over the likes of LSU on a neutral and LSU on a neutral. And oh, LSU on a neutral. That was it. The only top 100 win for the Longhorns. They go into Cincinnati. They banged, they banged on one of the 10 best programs of all time. There we go. Louisville by one point. Hey man, you take them however you can get them. Yeah, I was, I was there. I was at that game. Um, and so that was, I believe that was the, he tricked me game, by the way, for, for Kenny. <laughs> he tricked me. Um, no, that wasn't it. That wasn't the, yeah, it was, I wasn't. No, that, I thought, what, what was the, what was the, he tricked me. Uh, what, I what was, the, I, oh, I thought DePaul tricked him. Maybe DePaul tricked him. Yeah. Maybe DePaul. No, I can't it was, it was, it was the Louis. He got tricked by the fourth best team in Indiana. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> That's how he got tricked. There we go. He got Not on top. By the fourth best team in Indiana. He tricked me. Um, <laughs> you know what I got? You know, I'm concerned about Louisville. Can I be honest? I'm pretty worried. I'm worried about Louisville. <laughs> Louisville is the one thing I am concerned yeah, about. I'm worried about Louisville. Genuinely. I, I got to be honest. I got I'm worried about Louisville. Hey, by the way, on that, assuming that it opens, yeah. I heard yesterday. Somebody just like floated this to me like a big name college basketball coach who you wouldn't think would be interested in changing jobs. Somebody said that he's trying to get involved a little. Are you going to just are you going to name the coach or just dropping a blind item here? It's Mike Krzyzewski. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) No, uh, we'll we'll call it a blind item. It was just when I heard the name, I was like, oh, that would make a lot of sense. I had not assumed that he would be interested in that. But now that I'm thinking about it, I could see him being interested in it. I will talk about it off air. I got a couple of uh, potential curiosities on that. Um, Cincinnati had just won at BYU and was in control most of this game until Max Smith got it done. Uh, so that's a significant, significant resume win for Texas, which can now start to build something of a resume because it really didn't have it uh, prior to that. So uh, Smith. uh you know, he is now top 20 all time in NCAA Division One scoring. Good for him. Big time bucket. Um, that was a notable one. I can run down the list here and you can kind of take it, uh, take it where you want. But that was that was the best game uh, of the night. You know, non top two version that we uh, that we opened with um, Duke destroyed Pitt. Uh, it's really bad for Pitt right now. Um, not even close to anything to an NIT resume. And. 
uh, not rooting for any kind of job change, but you know, you have Duke coming into your house and you weren't competitive. Uh, the game wasn't even as close as the final score indicated. Um, if, and the final score, what was the final score here? I don't have it on the dock. I'll bring it up. A right bunch now. to a little. It was a bunch to a little. It finished 75-53. It could have been 77-47. to 47. It really could have been. Um, uh, Duke kind of laid off the gas down the stretch there. I wonder if stuff like this really starts to trigger... Um, conversations about whether or not they will uh, make a change there in March. Pitt made the tournament last year, only year under Capel. Duke, meantime, you know, it's getting something together here. It's won seven in a row, and now it's got two. Uh, weirdly enough, it's got home against Georgia Tech, and then it plays Pitt again. <laughs> it plays Pitt again in 10 days. Um, so, weird uh, wrinkle in the schedule there, but Duke highly likely to uh, to be 14-3 and three because it's going to almost certainly get revenge on its previous loss at Georgia Tech. Remember, that's its most recent defeat. And then it'll get pit again. And then it's got at Louisville. So uh, Duke has uh, positioned itself well. The only ranked on ranked matchup. Well, let's uh, stop here for one second, because I'll tell you, you know, on on Sunday when we were discussing like Tuesday night could get tricky. I had Duke in there. I walked it back. You said I was going to regret it. Zero regrets. Um, I was I was more surprised that Duke went to pit and blasted them like that than I was that Houston lost at Iowa State or Purdue. I thought Houston might lose to Pitt, but more surprising that Houston or Purdue lost. Yeah, I, uh, I think the nature of the score, I would agree with you on that because, I mean, I thought Purdue would win at Nebraska. Obviously, that's been covered. Um, I thought Iowa State had a healthy chance of beating Houston, but, you know, I had I had the whole YouTube TV multi-view thing going, so I had the Duke game up the whole time, and just wasn't interesting remotely. I mean, credit to Duke for just going in and kicking ass, but um, yeah, Pitt fans are no doubt gripping right now. Um, they're extremely concerned. How about that? They're and, very and, and for that dribble handoff. Like I'm, I'm gonna go with Kansas, but another one I I considered was Duke. I mean, they 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 were among the favorites in the preseason to win it all, and they've been a little uneven through this season, though they won 12 of their first 15. But they're starting to look. You know, now it's a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven game winning streak with a 22 point win at Pitt. They're starting to look like the team we all thought they would be in the preseason. They are. And they were, I mean, listen, they had that game against Baylor. And at the time, before that game, Duke was seven and three without a notable win on the schedule. Michigan State kind of qualified. And I was prepared to write a column that night if it had lost to Baylor that, you know, this was going to be the first true, like, you know, crossroads of of crisis in John Shire's young career because Duke would have been seven and four and heading into ACC play like really behind the eight ball didn't happen they they beat Baylor um definitively and they have not lost since and now they are they are well positioned elsewhere on Tuesday night uh ranked on ranked BYU goes to Baylor and loses BYU is now 0-2 in the Big 12 Q life in the Big 12 for the newbies there Baylor um you know, held itself well. Baylor is the lead item uh, and its new home court venue, its new home arena. That's going to lead today's court report there. I thought it was a, a, a big win for Baylor to get to 13 and 2. It's 2 0 in the Big 12. Um, this remains the best three point shooting team in the country. Uh, on Tuesday night, Baylor was able to, to sink 10 of them, shot 44% from beyond the arc there, and was able to outpace BYU, which loves to launch early and often. Um, Jalen Bridges was tremendous. He, he Took a tough hit. He, was, he still uh, composed himself. And between Bridges, Jacoby Walter had a nice couple of baskets and Langston Love. Um, there was a lot on display there with uh, with Baylor's capability. I liked what I saw. Let, let, let me ask you, um, because I saw this in the chat, and it's something we were talking about in studio last night. Okay. Have you noticed the camera angle at Baylor's new arena? Yeah, so... Uh, I, uh, yeah, I I posted this on, on Tuesday night over at... Uh, at uh, at over on uh, Blue Sky, you're not on Blue Sky yet, are you? GP? I'm not. I don't yeah. have enough things to look at. I, yeah. I scroll in. I I'm on uh, Twitter, of course, X, and then uh, I have a Facebook account because I'm old. And okay. then um, I have TikTok, but I don't post. I just I just scroll. Sometimes I like to look at what they're doing on TikTok. Yeah. And then um, I've got Instagram, but I can't I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. There's I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm I don't not, think I can I'm do any more than that. I think I think that's as much as I can. You can, do you can be. Life. Yeah, you can be. You can be done. If you are listening and are on Blue Sky, you can come over and find me there. I uh, I offer up a bit more commentary on college troops over there. So I, I posted that that uh, that the perch of the camera it's rivaling. Uh, well, here we go. There, I said one 
school in particular, but there's another one. Where, Baylor, that, that camera angle, that, that's a steep one. Where are the two other really steep high major camera angles in the sport that come to mind? Don't, don't, don't check the check because I'm sure they're going to give it to you. One's kind of easy. One might not be. You don't see the team on television a lot. Steep camera angles, high major venues. I, I saw it in the chat, but it does pop out. Is it Gallagher Iba? Gallagher Iba is definitely one because of them. I, I feel like I remember when Durant had like an awesome game yeah. there or something. Yeah. There were people yeah. in the way of the camera. It was all yeah. weird. There was something yeah. like people in the way of the cameras. And yeah. I don't know. I just have a I have a memory of like something weird. I have I, Oklahoma State did pop yeah. into my head. People are in the chat are saying Indiana and Duke. I wouldn't say those are the same. I think it's, it's Gallagher Iba, now Foster Pavilion. And I got a thought on this as well. Um, and then I think Clemson, Clemson, little John, that camera, you are, it's, it's high and it's, it's a steep angle there. Um, I couldn't help but notice that the court in Baylor's new building, what are we, what are we doing here? Did you like, listen, you've got Scott Drew patrolling the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And I would just assume that you build a new, he basically built this thing. Okay. I'm giving him credit for the, for the blueprints, the architecture, the funding and all of it. Okay. And yet all respect to Mark and Paula heard, but it is Mark and Paula heard floor. This, how were we not naming this court after Scott drew? I can't speak to that. I left. And I know that Kim Mulkey won a, won a hell of a lot there for Baylor as well. Um, She's no longer there. I don't think it was the the friendliest of uh, of splits as it is. Scott Drew is still there. I don't know if he'll end his career there. He brought Baylor to a national championship. At, at, at minimum, Scott Drew floor, hashtag Huck and stay. That's what I say. I think it's got to be Scott Drew floor, hashtag Huck. <laughs> just Huck? Yeah, just Huck. So just, actually, you know what? That's a good point because if you look at the at the at the sidelines here, they've got hashtag Sikkim. They need to have hashtag Sikkim, and then right next to it, hashtag Huck. It looked like uh, like we were watching an all twenty two. <laughs> I know. And, and, uh, here's the thing, though. I don't know if you know. I work in television a little bit, and one of the things I learned about cameras is that you can zoom them in. These yeah, cameras but, not have zoom on them. I know. I, th- I think it's they're trying to sp- they're trying to split the uh, split the the distance with seeing the whole floor. You zoom it in, you're gonna not, you're not gonna have you know certain angles. I don't. It just seems like that's something you could figure out. Yeah, I feel like I get me three fellas in there. We could probably figure out how to make that better. Is that something? Because sometimes, and this is true. Building it like in my home, there are things that I hate. I didn't build my home. But I, we bought our <laughs> home too. What? <laughs> I don't even. I don't even assemble. Wait, Christmas wait, presents. start over. <laughs> I don't even assemble Christmas presents. So I didn't I, build I, my home. <laughs> really? I mean, no. I didn't design my home. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't put a hammer. You own a single hammer? No. <laughs> of course, I do. And you identify a Phillips screwdriver? Doubt. Oh, yeah, I know Phillips. Those are the ones. I know. I know the difference between a Phillips and a flathead. Yeah. Why is it always easier to find a flathead than a Phillips head? I haven't encountered this. Oh man, buddy! If I had a, you seem to be a, indicating that you go searching to hold such a screwdriver, which nobody on this podcast believes. Yeah, every once in a while, your kids want you to put batteries in something, and your and your present assembler isn't around. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's like, all right, find Can me a face someone to open this remote control. Yeah, exactly. Man, I got ten flatheads for every Phillips head I got. <laughs> I got so many flatheads, I can't ever find a Phillips head. See, I just I should just go to Amazon, buy me a Phillips head, and like put it in my computer bag, just carry yeah. it around with me all the time. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, I know, I know about Phillips heads, and uh, so I didn't build my house. But here's my point. And we're back on this, okay. There are things about my house that drive me crazy. The pantry's too small. Like you should not have a house that looks like my house with a pantry the size of my pantry. Somebody just did that wrong. And then there's like uh, the fireplace is slightly off centered between two things. And it's just a, just enough. I promise you, nobody has ever walked in my house and noticed it other than me, but it drives me crazy. Here's the point. How have you not moved yet? <laughs> when, I, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. All right. So here's the deal. When you build something, these things don't, and then you see it and you're like, oh, I wish I'd have built this differently. That's what's going on at Foster Pavilion right now. They got that. They got to figure out that camera situation. It's like their pantry. Okay. 
it doesn't bother me that much. It's just a steeper angle. It Building looks incredible. It doesn't bother me that much. It's just noticeably different than what we're used to seeing. Yeah, that, that's that's true. It's like when I watch my Bears games, the sight line for the camera at Soldier Field is lower than most others, and I don't like I don't like the way it looks. It makes it makes the field look smaller. I, but I hear you. I hear it on the whole way on this. Uh, elsewhere on Tuesday night, how concerned are we about Colorado State? Should we oh be worried? About the God, we lost sixty-five fifty-eight. I couldn't even sleep last night. They lost. They they're not. A, they're on a two-game. They're on a two-game skid. I, I said skid. losing skid like three times last night on television. That's what I want to hear. Two-game skid for the Boise State or for the Colorado State Rams after the Boise State Broncos got a big win. Boise State has one loss that, since Thanksgiving weekend. Um, Eleven and four overall. More work to do, but in the preseason. You sold heavily on the idea that the Mountain West would get anything more than three teams. What? Yes. Yes. I don't have the audio, but I assure you, you sold. Because you picked like five total or four total bids from outside the big six conferences. Mountain West alone might get five here. That was a big time victory for Leon Rice's Boise State Broncos there. New Mexico took a loss against UNLV. So we'll see how these things balance out going forward. Regardless, notable win there. Congratulations to Boise State to getting that done. And then Auburn, at least mention the Tigers here, uh, building itself a top five resume at this point. The Tigers sit at 13-2, and two, haven't lost since December 3rd. The losses are against Baylor and against Appalachian State in that road game. And we, we had a mailback question that asked, you know, why Auburn hadn't cracked into the rankings. And we explained that on that mailback episode. Now, of course, the ranked was able to beat Texas A&M and sit at 13-2 overall, 2-0 in the SEC, fourth at Ken Palm. And uh, Bruce Pearl has uh, has a damn good team. Janai Broom is fourth, fourth in the Ken Palm Player of the Year standings. Edie Filipowski, Jaden Liddy at San Diego State, and then Janai Broom are the top four players right now. So credit to Auburn for uh, semi-quietly building out something pretty strong here. That won't last too much longer here. It's Bruce Pearl. That arena is one of the best in the SEC, obviously. And uh, they've got a couple of nondescript opponents upcoming. So they don't like have a high profile game on the slate until the roadie against Alabama in two weeks. They got LSU, Vandy, and then Old Miss coming up next. But uh, at least wanted to mention the Tigers and what they're doing. They have uh, exceeded preseason expectations. All right. Before we get out of here, we'll look ahead to the next couple of nights, tell you what's on the schedule. But first, one more word from our partners. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Deadland, let's keep an eye on this clock. Let's keep an eye on this clock. But looking ahead. Oh, yeah, you got, your, you got your show in like nine minutes, don't you? Uh, yes. On Wednesday night. You're uh, uh, screwdriver talk, okay? How concerned am I that you're not going to be able to make this? I got, a, I got a lot of worry. Go ahead. Man, I wish you would. I wish I'm going to send you a picture of my pantry. It's, it's just it's outrageous. Tonight, I'm going to be in studio CBS Sports Network. We got inside college basketball at 630 Eastern, then 7 Eastern, St. Joe's, St. Louis. 9 Eastern, Butler at number 11, Marquette. We'll wrap it up with Inside College Basketball at the end of the night. Elsewhere, number 3, Kansas at UCF. Number 5, Tennessee at Mississippi State. Number 7, North Carolina at NC State. Number 9, Oklahoma at TCU. Number 15, Wisconsin at Ohio State. That's a pretty good schedule, right? Yeah, I'm thinking about what else you didn't drop in there. Uh, did you mention Providence at St. John's? That's got a little spice to it. That's a good one for Wednesday night. Um UNC plays at NC State. It's the this is a wowzer. Uh, UNC and NC State are both three and zero in ACC play. It's the first time since nineteen. Let me make sure I got this exact date right. This is unbelievable. Um, Carolina and NC State have not met when both were at least three and zero or better in league play since seventy four. 
It's only the fourth time ever they'll meet with at least a 3-0 or better record having not lost a game in ACC play. So that's uh, that's an intriguing one and a good opportunity for NC State. Uh, Indiana State at Drake is, uh, is my game of the night because uh, I don't think the Valley is going to be a two-bid league, but it's not out of the question if both of these teams get you know take care of their business against all of their opponents in the league. Well, they got to do it, so it's, it's a tough ask. Drake needs to win at home against Indiana State, though. So that's a, that's a fairly big MVC battle there overall. But yeah, it's a, it's a quality night. Florida plays at Ole Miss as well. Um, Ole Miss started out undefeated and recently took on his first loss. Metrics weren't buying in. That's a pretty big, pretty big one for the Rebels there. So yeah, Wednesday night is a, is a pretty packed night. GPS, he said, will be on Inside College Basketball, CBS Sports Network, and then I will be on HQ a couple of times tonight recapping some stuff as well. As for Thursday, not that heavy on the slate. I'd say the three biggest games for Thursday are Michigan State at Illinois. Obviously, that is a really, really big one for Michigan State. Illinois still doesn't have Terrence Shannon Jr. You've got FAU at Tulane. Tulane. Mm-hmm. Owls on the road. They lose that one. Owls lose that one. We might have to open the Friday show with uh, with Dusty Mace program there. We'll see. And then Gonzaga plays at Santa Clara, which I would think Gonzaga is going to win, but this is not a top 10 Gonzaga team. Santa Clara has been a, a quality WCC club, and that is, they get that game in their backyard. So just one to keep an eye on for Thursday. A, a quality next couple of days. No ranked-on-ranked matchups. Only two this week. We had Baylor-BYU on Tuesday night, and then Kansas-Oklahoma this week is the only ranked-on-ranked matchups we have on the schedule, but that's uh, that's our next two nights. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry Meffin-Teagle. Legend. Name the court after him. If you... if. Uh, I mean, if you're going to name the court after him, you might as well just name the court after us. Like, let's be real. Name the court after us. <laughs> Why wouldn't Baylor name its court after us? Yeah. What actually said Gary Parrish from Matt Norlander Court? I'll tell you what, they, they, they might go hashtag Huck. They're not going hashtag more of us. I know that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's good. That's a tough. That's a big ask. A big like, ask. Yeah. I feel like Scott would do anything for us, but like, I don't but know. He if he's do that. I don't. But he won't. Be. He's a little bit like meatloaf. Yeah, you know? exactly. A little bit like meatloaf. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you for listening, watching the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, go subscribe anywhere. Oh, subscribe. oh, oh! I had, a, I, had a, I had a question for you. Great. How how concerned are we about Texas A&M right? <laughs> Pretty. I mean, kinda. Should no. we be? Should we be worried about Marquette? Ooh. Yeah. yeah, I think so. We I think so. because we love. I think so. There's a lot of stuff to worry about out there. <laughs> I, I, my my anxiety is through the roof with these college basketball teams. I'm just what's worried. Our, what's our level of anxiety right now with Florida Atlantic? Oh man, through the roof. Man, buddy, get me a prescription or else I don't think I'm going to make it. You know, get me a prescription. Call in a prescription. I don't think I can get through this. More of us than there are of them. That's got to be reflected in the comments. We'll talk to you again on Friday morning. Till then, take care.